We are the existentialists. Four existential psychotherapists invite you to join us in a dialogue about what it means to live an existentially tuned life. Your hosts are Xavier Williams, therapist in Vancouver, Canada. Janelle Dresner, therapist in Edmonton, Canada. Chelsea Stenner, therapist in South Surrey, Canada. And Mihaela Lounano, therapist in Vancouver, Canada. Hey, all you cool cats and kittens. It's Chelsea with the Existentialist podcast. <laughs> and today we are talking about boredom, which is probably the only reason why the Netflix series Tiger King blew up in the way that it did, mm -hmm. is we were all bored out of our minds. And so we thought it was a great way to start our episode today. So we'll be talking with you about boredom and what it's like and how we experience it and what leads us to boredom and what comes out of boredom. So maybe we could start with a little bit of a, a check-in for how we all experience boredom and what it's like for us. Wait, so we're not talking about tigers? No. <laughs> I think actually as I was lining up for that comment, it did strike me as, well, one of the most common reactions to boredom is humor, is silliness or, or ridiculousness, absurdity. What do we get up to? What do kids get up to when they're bored? They make up shit. And they take the lids off their pens and color on each other. Yes. Or the walls. Wow. Or, the, or the pet. Or the pet, <laughs> yes. Yeah. So if we start this ourselves, have we felt bored during these last how many weeks? Four, five, six weeks? And how is that for mm. each of us? So I haven't felt bored in kind of the classical sense of uh, there's nothing to do. You know, I've been busy. <laughs> I've seen lots of clients. I've actually felt myself having less time than traditionally. I'm not entirely sure why. How I have been experiencing boredom or how I typically actually experience boredom is not so much in the absence of activity, but in the monotony of activity. That's really what gets me. And I recognized this at various points in my life, and certainly before I became a psychotherapist, before I even started, kind of, before I even came up with the idea of becoming a psychotherapist, I worked in, let's call them broadly corporate environments. And man, were they boring. Same thing over and over and over again. And that monotony just drives me insane. And I do also then get silly or I make up games or I do, you know, stuff that isn't whatever it is that I'm supposed to be doing. Yeah. I actually quite enjoy the boredom of doing nothing. But is that a boredom then? Because I, <laughs> I relate to, yeah, I resonate with you. I really like doing nothing. I don't have much opportunity <laughs> to do nothing, but I'm longing for doing nothing. And, well, yeah. I think I would suggest that most people would dis automatically describe boredom as the absence of something to do. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's I relate to that. I, uh, for myself, I thrive doing nothing <laughs> if I had a chance to do nothing for longer periods of times. But I'm busy, and I rarely have the time to be bored. But during this time, like, uh, because of the relatively the same thing, I, even uh, if I maintain most of my life rhythms during this COVID social distancing stuff, like, and my life, I didn't experience my life to be very, very disrupted. I still had moments of antsiness, kind of like restlessness. And this is, um, I think, how I began to feel bored with all this. And I kind of said, kind of to hack with all this, I'm done. I want, I want this to be over. So it was more like, uh, I don't know, an exasperation. It's like, enough, it's enough. <laughs> this is too long. I'm ready for a change. So that's how I experienced it. And it was more, again, antsiness, restlessness, more along those lines. But it, um, there were um, short-lived moments because, yeah, there weren't many and I didn't have much time to really sit in those moments. But I found myself like wishing to do something else, especially over weekends and stuff like that. So, yeah. I'm trying to think of 
what it's like for me to be bored. I actually don't think I'm bored very often. And even when I, I did a job in data entry once, and even that wasn't boring because it was so monotonous that I could like easily do the job. And then my mind was occupied with other things that I could think about or do. I think sometimes I get bored in the classroom so I can, if things take a long time or something's not being done quick enough or efficiently, I become bored. I get fidgety. It's hard to pay attention. And then I, I just don't take any information in at that point. I think, yeah. So for me, it happens, I guess, more if I'm a captive in a space that I don't find interesting. But when I'm on my own, like, for example, in my home, there's, I don't really feel captive. There's lots that I can do or entertain myself with. But yeah, if I'm a captive audience to something that I don't like or not interested in, then I do find it very, very difficult to tolerate. I totally resonate with that. Just as a, you're talking, I forgot about a memory when I was younger that, that now is coming back to me and that I'd rather not remember. But actually at the time I swore it was so bad that I would never forget this day. But I was with my mom and then she was with her side of the family that I kind of loosely knew. And we were sitting for dinner and then just at this house in the living room. And I was kind of in that age where well, I think I was a teenager. So it was acceptable for me to be with the adults and actually expected to do so. I've never been so bored in my life. I could not engage in conversation. There was nothing that was relevant to me in my life at that time. And I remember thinking that if you just stepped in or showed up, this time would not feel like eternity right now. And the night, it's just a couple hours. It's just a couple hours and you're done. I cannot describe to you how long those couple hours felt and I couldn't do it. And I kept finding excuses to leave the room. And I, I like cherished my time going elsewhere, like to the kitchen to get food. It was like all of a sudden that was the most interesting activity I could ever do. So yeah, boredom, when I do feel it, it's very hard for me to endure it. And I would say that actually boredom has been one of those things that I have been plagued with for a good chunk of my life. And as I was reflecting on this topic and thinking about it, I would definitely define boredom for me as an experience when I'm not involved, when I'm not there, when I do not show up or I'm removed. And I feel immediately the heaviness of time. And so since, since I'm so busy that when I get a weekend day to myself, all of a sudden, like, time stops and it's this impending sense that it's passing. But it's also, like, my inability to seize the moment. And I'm not quite sure what the moment's requiring of me. And then I feel that boredom but there's also this paralysis because there's so much I could do there's so much which could involve me and I don't know what's the best possibility and so I just kind of sit there and it's almost the non-action which brings the boredom and it's like because I don't know what to do and I feel a bit paralyzed but doing nothing is not enjoyable and so it often will leave me standing like my husband teases me all the time because sometimes he'll just walk in and I'm just in a room standing, like staring, looking around, like, what do I do? What do I do? That sounds like torturous frustration. To watch or to? <laughs> no, no, to experience. No, to watch actually I think would be quite funny. <laughs> oh, thank you. Yeah. Uh, I can relate to what you said, Jenna. Like it's for me, it's like when I'm, basically disconnected from life, from what attracts me, what draws me, or what pushes me away. Like it's, um, yeah, it just, or there are too many things at the same time, perhaps, and I just cannot allow myself to connect with myself, or I, I don't have the time to actually discern what is it that I want to do, I like to do. And this is how I, when I start getting antsy and restless. This how my experience is to disconnect from life, from the possibilities that are right in front of me. 
and then the time feels like empty and endless. And as I said, I don't have like long periods of time like this, but it's definitely unpleasant and disorienting. Yeah, I, boredom is very disorienting. What do you do? I was reading an article on boredom, actually in the Journal of Existential Analysis, the author is Gilliam. I didn't write down the year. I think 2013, but I could be wrong. But he writes, boredom is a kind of, he writes, it is the fact that nothing is given to me as an essence or as a task that I am bored. Through boredom, I realize that it is I myself the tr- given the trust to create my own task and find meaning. So, yeah, I like that, that it's actually nothingness which is given to you in boredom. And my task is to find meaning in it, to create something. Mm -hmm. To use that kind of, that freedom, that existential freedom. In rather more kind of uh, practical and silly terms, it reminds me of a story my mother tells about my grandmother who abhorred silence when she was with her husband, my grandfather, who quite enjoyed his silence, and she would shout at him and say, dis-moi merde, mais dis-moi quelque chose, which is very simply translated, tell me shit, but tell me something. <laughs> and really actually better translated is, tell me to fuck off, but tell me something. And so what, you know, kind of almost in contrary to what you kind of uh, described there, Janelle, with that, that line, she was seeking it from the outside, mm. not recognizing that, she on the inside could also resolve the silence, the boredom. That was a huge trigger for especially one of my uncles growing up. Like we all knew that you never utter the words, I'm bored in his presence. It would make him very angry because his whole point was, that's up to you. You figure it out. If you're bored, it is not my job to entertain you. You need to go use your imagination or go play with one another create something but and i can imagine as an adult that you know i don't have kids but i can imagine that that would be annoying to have your child or niece or nephew constantly saying i'm bored i'm bored i'm bored and then reject all of your ideas Mm -hmm. yes of course (laughs) i don't want to do that (laughs) which is actually humorously interesting because essentially what they say you know you're giving them from again from the outside the solution but they don't want that. They want their own. They want to create. Mm. And that kind of, I think that's something that I've seen very common amongst anybody who writes on anything about boredom is that it's really that opportunity to create. It holds a huge potential and a huge gift if we see it this way. And uh, definitely our culture of entertainment and entertaining ourselves to death, I guess that's the title of a book, and entertaining our kids definitely takes away and pretty much kills that opportunity to be thrown upon ourselves and with ourselves and to to stay in that space of nothingness and to to create and to to bring ourselves to inhabit that space and to inhabit our time. Like to have a blank canvas before mm-hmm. you mm-hmm. Yeah. that you can choose to not do anything mm-hmm. with mm-hmm. or to make something meaningful. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's almost the, I'm going to make a, a sweeping assertion without any evidence. It's almost the perfect existential situation. And I say that kind of as using in one of my early courses in the master's program, I had to kind of talk about existential psychotherapy. And the example that I came up with, kind of the demonstration that I came up with was I got uh, one of my classmates to volunteer and essentially without them knowing, I gave them a blank piece of paper that I told them was a script. And then I had a timer, a one minute timer that was very audibly counting down like tick, 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 tick. And he had to stand in the middle of the room and, you know, when I said so and the timer started, he had to turn over his script that was obviously blank and then do what it said to show to the class. And then I had further instructed the class to not look at him, not even engage with him. Okay, did you wow. pass an edit board <laughs> approval for this kind of? I, <laughs> no, I'm kidding. I did suggest that anxiety may be created. And the point was precisely mm-hmm. that, is to, to demonstrate kind of the, some of the foundations of, of existential thought that, you know, the script is your own, it's blank, 
you can do whatever you like. And he kept on asking, but what am I supposed to do? And this was actually the whole point. And moreover, that there was no feedback from anybody else. And then, of course, with the clock ticking down, right? This is the, the impending doom of death. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it just reminded me of that, that therein. So he wasn't bored in that moment, but you can imagine boredom being a similar situation. Why can at least? And so boredom connects us with, again, freedom and mm-hmm. death. Yeah, freedom too. Mm-hmm. And freedom to rather than freedom, freedom from. from. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Maybe we can speak to that distinction a little bit, what we mean by freedom from versus freedom to or yeah. towards. I would say that freedom from is probably more a physical or you know, indeed a political freedom. Right. So in Canada, we have freedom of speech and freedom of association. We can do all these things and the government isn't going to stop us from doing that. Well, except at the moment, they may be stopping us from freedom of association to some extent. It's very much kind of a rights-based thing. And, and even indeed in terms of slavery, when we're a slave, we are not free to do everything. We're not free from, sorry, from our chains, if you like. But in existentially speaking, we are always free to do something. Even if that something is as narrow as how the attitude that I take towards something. Right, so that even somebody in, say, in solitary confinement, they may not be able to get out of the solitary confinement, but they have freedom to react, to respond to their situation. And freedom from as well, like beautifully, as you put, certainly something that we can measure on the outside. But I also think psychologically speaking, it's experienced as a running away, like or is seeking freedom, maybe through distraction or through avoidance turning one's attention towards something else, but it's not necessarily a free turning. Mm -hmm. It's more this experience of whatever it is that I'm trying to get away from is so unbearable and I cannot find myself there. Mm -hmm. But to what you said about freedom to or freedom for, it makes me think of Viktor Frankl who wrote about boredom by describing it as an existential vacuum. And what he writes is that you know, a way to deal with this existential vacuum is that he says each situation in life represents a challenge to man and presents a problem for him to solve. The question of the meaning of life may actually be reversed. Ultimately, man should not ask what the meaning of his life is, but rather he must recognize that it is he who is asked. Each man is questioned by life, and he can only answer to life by answering for his own life. To life, he can only respond by being responsible. So this is that existential turn that we're talking about, or that we have mentioned before. A quick side note, though, is, of course, at the time that he's writing this, he says man, but we would also apply this to women and people of all genders. And the idea behind the existential turn is that for many of us, we may take a stance towards life where it is us who are asking, what is the meaning of my life? What do I want to do? Or what is life asking me? What is my calling? What does it all mean? Why is this happening to me? But actually, we can respond by turning the question around and saying, asking ourselves, like, what am I going to do? What is my response? This is the life that's been given to me. So, you know, for that student, it was a student that was in your experiments of? Yeah, a student. Yeah, he was in that course with me. Oh, for your peer, you know, in that moment, he could have, I don't know what he did, but let's just say, right, he gets the paper and then he's staring at you like, well, what am I supposed to say? Mm-hmm. Okay. That's like somebody asking life, like, what is the meaning yeah. of my life? That's all he did and for the whole minute. Exactly. And that, unfortunately, the missed opportunity is that he could have just said, okay, well, then this is what I'm going to talk Indeed. about. Yeah. That, that would have been the whole point. So with boredom, right, we can also do that. Okay. I have this blank canvas, these infinite possibilities this is what I'm going to choose. Yeah, and if I can speak to that a little bit, I think with boredom, there's it's hard to endure. Like we've said, it's unpleasant. It can be even like painful. Mm-hmm. The example that kind of comes to mind for me personally when I think of the freedom from and freedom to or towards is with pain, like chronic pain. A lot of the clients that I work with will say, you know, I want to get rid of my pain. I want freedom from it. It's so limiting. But there is something, at least for me personally, in being limited by the pain 
that has allowed me or has provided an invitation towards something else or a freedom towards something else. So for me, it's been becoming more embodied, engaging in dialogue with my body, enhancing my self-care, listening to myself as a way to kind of answer that question that's posed to me by life, by my body, rather than going, okay, why me? Why this? Why now? Look at how it's limited me. Look at what's happened. But rather have some freedom towards something else and openness towards what can come of limiting circumstances or boredom. Mm -hmm. So what is the question that boredom is asking us, each of us? I really like the parallel with chronic pain and what you said, Janelle, with the meaning and existential turn. But if we were to, again, bring it back to boredom, because I feel that maybe we also distract ourselves a bit right now with other <laughs> topics, which are very connected. Are you like, saying I'm, boredom is boring? I, I was wondering, if, yes, like talking about boredom may become a bit boring or take away from that. So if we bring ourselves back to the question, like what question do we hear in in that experience of boredom for ourselves, what is life asking us or inviting us to do or not to do? What is our blank canvas? It's a really great question to sit with. There's almost a boredom in sitting with it. And I don't mean that it's a boring question. By that I mean... I'm finding it quite enticing, actually, <laughs> of a question. But precisely. I would say this is very much what boredom is asking us is asking us to go, okay, what about this? Like it makes space for, or? It's almost, yeah, it's almost asking, well, what do you do? Come on then. Act. Act. Show yeah. up. Show up, yeah. I was trying to think of a, a 90s movie reference that it couldn't <laughs> quite get in my head. That's why it was the silence. At least that's, for me, very much that. And for me, it's more like the question that I hear boredom asking me is like, where did you lose the connection with life? Where did I step out of the flow? And now what? Like, uh, it's the invitation to act that I hear is after the question about when did I step out of the flow of being in flow, flowing with life, in life. And then is what? is my response to that how would you mm, distinguish or how would you know whether you fell out of the rhythm of life if you like versus how you know when did you did you just stop being distracted i'm not sure i understand the distracting well, part we've talked about kind of a lot of the response to mm -hmm. uh, many existential things is to distract right we get oh. entertained by mm -hmm. tv by netflix mm -hmm. by mm -hmm. everything else mm -hmm. on the outside mm -hmm. what's the difference how do we how could we we ask ourselves that question that you asked and not be just responding to thinking that the rhythm of life was me occupying myself with a million other things. Or distracting myself from. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I, I don't know if it's such an easy distinction or necessary. No, I don't imagine. Yeah. But it's like, it's, yeah, I can be stepping out of that flow of that engagement with life through distraction and through entertainment. And I think that happens often. And by not paying attention or allowing my attention to go in too many places at the same time and losing that uh, engagement and concentration. I perceived your question to be much more profound in, in stepping out of the rhythm of life. I, that's mm -hmm. my word, but mm -hmm. the flow of life. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's, that's what I hear, like boredom asking me, how did you step out in ah, that okay. rhythm? That's the question that emerges from me in, from that boredom. And then it's the question about what should I do? Right. Okay, so it's almost asking you to say, it's, it's almost saying to you, how did, how did you get here? Mm -hmm. How did you get to this place where you're feeling maybe unfulfilled or not moved by life? And how does it feel like? And what does it feel like? So that's coming definitely for me way before what should I do and taking uh -huh. a, a brush and uh, right. paint the canvas. So in kind of our EA terms, you're doing the impression part, like the feeling, how does something feel? How do I experience something before we get to an understanding or indeed a, a an decision action. or an action? It's interesting that boredom asks you, or what I heard is that it asks you, how did you step out of life? For me, boredom, the image that I get is that it's the atmosphere of the threshold that I find myself on. So, like, for example, Harry Potter, 
when Harry Potter dies. And then, oh, spoiler alert, (laughs) when Harry Potter dies. And then everything is white and he's in that like liminal space. He's dead, but he's not quite dead. That whiteness, that blankness to me is, is boredom. Or maybe boredom desaturates everything. It's more the taste of the atmosphere that surrounds me. And it's at that point that I realize that I am on some sort of threshold or liminal space where I'm now needing to make a decision on how to engage. And it feels as though I've turned away from the world because I've left the vibrancy of life. Like I like how you said that, like I'm out of the flow of life. I would agree with that. But then it also is like, I do feel it is an invitation, although one, I don't love the feeling of, but it is an invitation to turn toward life and myself, maybe in a different way. Mm -hmm. It is a a readjustment, but I find myself so radically with just me in those moments that I'm bored. So I can be surrounded by a lot of people or even just in class, as Chelsea mentioned, like, oh man, I'm bored in class a few times. And then all of a sudden I'm with myself. It's just me hanging out with me. And I have to ask myself, like, what, how do I want to be here? Do I want what to, to be here? myself? Again, yeah. like being thrown to, onto yourself. That's a fabulous example. And Harry Potter actually sends up a lot of wonderful examples I, I find in, in regards to existential experiences. But Janelle, I, I think you're the expert here. Oh I my think gosh. even in that scene, Harry asks something to the effect of what he's supposed to do. And Dumbledore's response is something like, well, this is your life or this is your dream or something. Essentially, you are the agent here. I, I'm just a a passive observer almost. I feel that it's important to state that Harry comes back to life because when you said that, (laughs) I entered into a bit of a crisis as a Harry Potter fan going, did I not read the last book? Like, did he die and it was final and I never knew? Oh my gosh, I'm sorry about that. I would suggest that it's been long enough. I mean... (laughs) I remember the scene now, but yeah. I thought maybe you were getting confused with Dumbledore, which was very sad. And I cried when I read that multiple times. It is. Death is sad. Yes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> but yes, it, it is interesting, uh, Bahila, as you, as you noted. It is hard to stay with boredom. This is a hard topic to continue to like mm-hmm. reorient mm-hmm. myself to, because even for me, describing it as a threshold means that it's a place I come to, but it's a place I'm going to leave. Like that, but we don't, To typically exist in those kinds of threshold states, to live a life there feels, it does feel unlivable. Those are such key moments or they can be moments right before the transformation, like where the tension builds and leads the way to transformation. But to live there for me would be unendurable. I also, I mean, that article I've already quoted, I did like this line as well. He writes, boredom is a kind of impassionate pain but it's very essence. We're bored to be imbued with passion. We're boredom to be imbued with passion. It would cease to be boredom. Mm-hmm. I wow. love that. That, that is a great pain. quote. So boredom is an absence of passion. Yeah. Or, well, then we come back to you, an absence of life, of that flow of life, that rhythm. Yeah, okay. So what makes it so unlivable, unendurable, as you said, Janelle? What is it about boredom? For me, it's totally, it's, I mean, I think in certain terms, it would be described as nothingness, but growing up as a kid, I always described it as tastelessness. Everything is flipping tasteless and colorless. The grayish. And just, oh, I can't feel, I can't sense, I can't move. Then it does bring me back to, it's nothing. It's nothing. I used to experience boredom a lot and it certainly would, it would bring me to these nihilistic periods of like, there's no meaning. There's no life. There's no meaning. Why am I even here? I doubt why people try and escape it. I have almost the like opposite sense of it. Like for me, when I encounter boredom, 
let me, maybe I'll understand it more as I say it. But as I encounter boredom, I am reminded of like the finiteness of life and that I am not here for very long. And it helps me reorient to what's important to me. Do I want to be spending my time doing this now? Or is there something else that would be more meaningful to me? But I wonder if that's boredom or something else. Do you feel bored in those moments or do you feel that you have choices? And because in boredom, for me, it's like I'm not clear about the choices available because I'm disconnected from life. I do not clearly feel the possibilities. If mm. I would be able to say I'm wasting my time with this, maybe I should do this, which would be more fulfilling. I wonder if I'm already over that threshold. Mm, could be. Yeah, because it does mm-hmm. feel like a waste mm-hmm. to me. But I wonder, I mean, in your journal, probably you can answer better because you had the experience in that threshold space in the whiteness or grayness. Can you detect something exciting that you could do instead of being in that space? It's all rendered powerless or maybe rendered not vital or ineffective. So I can identify, for example, so many wonderful things that I could do that I can identify possibilities. So for example, in those moments, I'm standing in my living room. I've got a stack of books I want to read, haven't read them. I could do that. I have a canvas not finished that I could paint. I have a beautiful river right beside my house. I could go for a walk. Endless possibilities of what I could do. Nothing is appealing nothing. And that's what's so awful about it is it's, it's the feeling of it doesn't matter anymore. There's nothing like, what's the point? And that's where I kind of get into the nihilist, you know, what's the point? Because as soon as I want to move into action with that feeling, it's like, I got nothing. Mm -hmm. The image that keeps coming up for me is kind of the maritime one of being in the doldrums. You know, that kind of, that between, I think it's about five or maybe 10 degrees latitude either side of the equator, there's very little wind. And so when you're on a sailboat, you go nowhere, right? You just float and the current takes you where it takes you. So, I mean, there's a life around you that's maybe, but it's about, yeah, it's about kind of being powerless, knowing what you need to do, what you could do, but knowing that. I'm not going to do anything. And so you sit and you wait. It's kind of nothing is uh, moving you. Nothing is capturing your soul. No. I mean, is that uh, impassionate pain? Nothing really fully reach you to to make you float, to make you, sorry, sail, to, not yeah, float. Yeah, to sail, yeah. To you're, sail. You're... It's out of being out of reach and given to yourself mm-hmm. when you don't want to be given to yourself or you don't know what to do with yourself. I suppose. And I think it's also, at least for me in the past, it has been a scary feeling because it can often come on even when there is something that really should be grabbing me in the moment. So for example, there were times that I was sitting in class in grad school and my peers were having these amazing discussions about a topic I do care about or that I identify as a value. And yet this like, boom, overwhelming sense of boredom sets in I'm removed from the situation and that did feel scary it's like how can this just happen just so suddenly I was in and now I'm out do you understand what happened no oh okay so it remains a bit of a mystery I mean I'm welcome for us to figure out or dialogue about it I remember going through the training when we'd done I think the fourth fundamental motivation. So for listeners, just kind of the fourth last unit on meaning. And we talked a bit about boredom and I was really excited because I was like, I need to figure this out. And then we didn't spend that long on it. I never could really fully turn toward this. And I've been trying to myself, like, what's that all about? And I have some hunches. It doesn't happen as much anymore. I think the more and more I make my life more in alignment with my values, not what other people said my values should be, but mine that certainly has decreased the amount of times that I kind of get hit with that taste of nothing, mm-hmm. the boredom. Is there almost an in- inevitability to boredom that even, that maybe an answer or sometimes an answer to that question of, you know, what took me out of that flow of life isn't necessarily about what we have or haven't done, but just that it just happens sometimes. Yeah, 
I think it absolutely can happen, and we don't know why or how, or, but we are um, given the opportunity to be with that and to explore it, and, and it's painful, but it's there and it shows up. Torturous, torturous, mm-hmm. torturously frustrating, frustratingly yeah. torturous. So it's kind of way. losing the connection with life and losing our orientation towards a value, and hence the meaninglessness of it. Yeah, so I find the deep motivation really challenging. Mm-hmm. To yeah, like what, I think it was Janelle, maybe it was Mahila, I can't remember, but when one of you said that. There's something that you could do. There mm-hmm. are all these options, but there's no pull or mm-hmm. draw or mm-hmm. there's no energy mm-hmm. that goes into actually doing those things. Mm-hmm. And I think that's when I start to feel the guilt of, mm-hmm. well, my time is running out here. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. I was just struck by a memory. I yawned 10 seconds ago, not because you were boring necessarily yourself Chelsea but it reminded me not of being necessarily <laughs> <laughs> but possibly I think I was six or something and I was in a karate class and I remember yawning a lot and I said to the instructor I said I'm tired he looked at me and he said you're not tired you're just bored and I can't tell you if he was right or wrong but I remember that thing just kind of that somewhere, somehow, some form of tiredness and boredom go together. I feel that on the treadmill Mm -hmm. or on a run, and I have to ask myself, am I actually tired and fatigued? And I'll, like, check in with my legs going, like, are my muscles actually tired or am I just bored? Mm -hmm. And quite often, it's just bored. I can keep going. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I can't. I can't Mm -hmm. run on the treadmill. Okay. For precisely that reason. I get bored Mm -hmm. too quickly. Yeah, also that's why also gym, indoor kind of stuff, you know, too boring for me too. But like it's very draining. I can relate to that. It's extremely draining to be bored and to stay in that state. It really takes away life when you we are already disconnected from it. So would it be fair to, because you know, we're on the topic of, of boredom and, and then disconnecting from life, would it be fair to say that in, say, let's say a depressive state, which is in the realm of life, of not have feeling life, that boredom would become a, quite a strong feature. Perhaps, but it's also the issue of orientation towards a value and meaning that I guess is different than depression in boredom. But I think it's a very sad life. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. I, I was yeah, mm-hmm. more a component mm-hmm. of, of a depressive-ish mm-hmm. state, not necessarily or depression Or maybe it itself. appears like depression. Maybe, like yes. Like the restless depression. And maybe that's what thing. I was yeah. Yeah, yeah. getting at more, mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah. So then maybe should we ask ourselves, what should we do when we are bored? Should we turn on Netflix or Crave or whatever? And should we watch a movie? Should we distract ourselves? Should we entertain ourselves? Should we even pull out our canvas and start painting something? How to deal with boredom? Sex is often a good way. Sex? Yeah. Sex sex out of boredom seems very connecting and romantic and soulful. Yeah. And connecting to life. I mean, come Mm -hmm. on. Okay, that was a joke from my part. I'm not joking. joking. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I picked up your sarcasm. Yeah. <laughs> but seriously, what do you mean by sex? I mean, I know what you mean by what that's, do you, that's a whole different episode. <laughs> what do you mean by uh, having sex when you're bored? Like, what kind of sex? Well, people have already projected that during this time of lockdown and being in COVID, that there will be lots and lots of Mm -hmm. babies Uh nine months from Mm -hmm. now. Yeah. Yeah. But is that a way of dealing with what? Tell us more. That's what I'm saying. I mean, partly it was a bit of a flippant remark, which is also maybe a sign of boredom. But um, it's a connection. It's definitely... And even if it's sex with yourself, I mean, it can be a distraction. It can be just, oh, I'm bored and I do this. But it doesn't have to be. You know, so partly I want to say when you say what kind of sex is, but it depends on what kind of sex is on offer there. <laughs> but Sure, we are always in dialogue with the world. <laughs> yeah, and whoever's in our presence. Yes. But there's something quite vital about sex. And so I could see that as a reconnection to that flow. 
if you like. There's rhythm. Well, hopefully there's rhythm to sex as well. But I think it's important to highlight, like anything can be a distraction. I think more of what's at the core of distraction is distraction typically doesn't involve us. At least that's what I, how I define distraction in terms of like, I don't necessarily have to show up. It's just occupying my present moment, but I'm not even fully in it. It would be there without me. But I'm not sure But, yeah. this is what Sav said. When, that's why I said, what kind of sex? Like, do you mean sex? I'm just distracting myself, doing something with another person or by myself? Or is it in an attempt to really reconnect with life? So, like, what's the motivation behind it? That was my question. Is it like I want to distract myself because I'm, I'm just going to bored out of my mind? Or is it in an attempt to reconnect with that vitality that you mentioned and with the other person? I would suggest, for me, it's always that. Always which one? Sorry. The first one. To distract yourself? No, the vitality. Oh, sorry. That was the second one. Oh, sorry. sorry. Okay. <laughs> There you go. No, that, it, yeah, no, that it certainly, at least personally, sex is always a vitality, an attempt at vitality for me. Is it a distraction when you are bored or is it reconnecting with what you appreciate in that vitality? I'm having to rack my brain here. I don't know. I don't know. I'd like to believe that it's always the attempt at reconnection with vitality, but I couldn't swear on it. But I think that's important to highlight because I think sometimes people can make take one activity or one behavior and label it as always a distraction or it's always bad, you know, if you want to go step, you know, or always unhelpful. And that's not always the case, right? So even just substance use, we kind of have these, this understanding of like, at what point does it become unhelpful or unhealthy or even destructive? And yet there can be a lot of pleasure and enjoyment and, socialization that occurs in for example, using alcohol so i think maybe it is helpful for us to look more at like how would we define the difference between something being a distraction to just get away from boredom versus something we actually choose and engage with in response to our boredom mm -hmm. yeah like that's what i was going to say in regards to the choice that zav was given i don't know that they're actually so different because If we're even in trying to distract from boredom, mm -hmm. we're still trying to change our threshold so that we mm -hmm. feel more or feel something else, mm -hmm. that more life is present. And so I don't, for me at least, I don't know that they're actually so different. Yeah, like in the distracting, you can encounter life. Like mm -hmm. in the process of distracting. It's an attempt to mm -hmm. kind of pull oneself mm -hmm. out of mm -hmm. the abyss. Mm -hmm. Versus like, when we're bored and then the knee-jerk automatic response of grabbing our phones and scrolling through Instagram, for example, like that doesn't take a lot of intentional decision-making. It's just kind of happening. And then, I mean, I've had this experience and I've heard some of my friends talk about like, you're kind of scrolling and then you realize, why am I even doing this? Like, I don't even want to do this. But it was that knee-jerk response to being bored. You just, that's not tolerable. I'm going to quickly grab something that distracts me and occupies my mind. And sometimes then that actually prompts a realization of like, oh, actually I could think of something else that would really involve me that I want to put myself into. So far we kind of suggested that uh, even if it starts as distraction and not fully, full engagement, we want to pull ourselves out from that to kind of like find some vitality. Is it a possibility not to pull ourselves out of that and to deal with boredom by being bored? I know that's very provocative and way less sexy than the other opportunity. I know that for me personally, at least in the last year, kind of a more ascetic life mm -hmm. that's minimal without many distractions or really anything has been something I've been longing for mm -hmm. or wanting. Just to kind of, I don't, yeah, rest in the nothing and in the minimal and the quiet. Yeah, less. Mm -hmm. mm. It reminds me of exactly that. I've had that same kind of feeling for many years now, kind of, but also particularly recently. It reminds me of a book called The Dispossessed by Ursula Le Guin. And it's a fabulous book and kind of is much more about politics and political theory and anarchism and stuff. But just the title that kind of that being dispossessed 
it evokes kind of people who have been called, let's say, robbed, right, dispossessed, but also the dispossessed of stuff, right? And so I'm not possessed by anything. I have this minimal experience where I don't have a whole bunch of distractions going on. I don't have a whole bunch of meetings to get to. I don't have a whole bunch of objects in my house and all this that maybe this is what you're inviting us to look at here, Mahila, is that could we, am I making stuff up here? Probably. Kind of to be dispossessed of time. And I don't mean that in robbed, but have it absent. Yeah, and feeling still that impassionate pain that Janelle mm-hmm. was mentioning. As if I rest in minimalism, then I don't think that's boredom. That's more like resting and enjoying it. And I also find myself on this trajectory in my own life, kind of like longing more for that. But I think that there is meaning in that is not exactly boredom. But like if we, yes, I really like what you said, self-dispossessed of time and staying with that, with the pain of being dispossessed of time. And taking that up and leaving, turning towards that pain, the way we said Chelsea with chronic pain, like like being with it rather than looking to increase my vitality, to pull myself out of the abyss and all that. Do we have a kind of mythological, historical kind of help here for kind of for boredom and but almost for absence of time? Are you talking about absence of time or are you talking about the right time? Well, more so boredom, but kind of, no, absence of time more. More kind of, yeah, that, because I had this kind of, you know, in going on this kind of idea of dis- dispossessed of time, I imagined some mythological being coming and literally taking our time away and then leaving us there in that boredom, if you like. I'm making stuff up a little bit here. I'm, I'm hoping that somebody's thought about this before, so we don't have to think about it too hard. The myth of Sisyphus would be something that is definitely out of time because it's just the repetition and the same eternal kind of yeah it takes place yeah that would be pretty much hell for me so for those of us that aren't familiar with that myth what is it janelle do you want to take this one Sisyphus was punished by the gods to essentially because he had cheated thanatos a couple times cheated death that he had to spend eternity rolling a boulder up a hill or up a mountain and then only to watch it roll all the way back down when he reached the top. And then again, roll it all the way back up and watch it roll all the way down. Breaks your spirit. Mm-hmm. It does. That was his divine punishment. They did something similar in the concentration camps, making the prisoners carry bags of salt from one end to the other for no reason at all it just breaks the spirit it really gives you no no chance to escape to no orientation it's just cyclical and actually Camus in his book The Myth of Sisyphus opens up by saying that the only question that life is really all about is should I kill myself uh-huh. or not I was about to say Sisyphus couldn't even kill himself. No. I think, Mahila, with like what you're saying about turning toward the boredom and sitting in it, my first feeling with that is it, that takes some ground to be able to do that. It feels annihilating for a lot of people. And I think quite unendurable for quite a few people. So... Although I see the value, I think that that is ultimately the invitation. It's maybe something that needs to be worked up. We need to build a ground underneath our feet to be able to sit in something like boredom for some of us. Absolutely. And I'm wondering, going back to the myth of Sisyphus, like how does he do it? How does he take up the stone, the rock, like over and over again and to endure it and to to fulfill his divine punishment, I guess. I wonder if there is something that is going on between he and the rock. I mean, meaning like that is the ground, that connection, that ground that he forms a relationship with that rock. And does he ever accept his punishment? And Isn't that the conclusion of the story, though, that he does? He kind of turns it into a bit of a game and kind of chooses his attitude. Or humor, yeah. But he also has, we go back to the, our existential freedom, our freedom too, right? He 
wasn't free from it for sure, but he chose a different way of responding and yeah, and, and began to entertain himself. I think he's probably a far um, more creative person than I am because even that game after a while would get to me. So I think we can find ground even in, in boredom, even in the object of our suffering, of our impassionate pain. I really like that a lot. Tunnel, thanks for sharing with us. Like even that stone can become a ground. The ground of impassionate pain. Is there anything else that we would like to add or touch on before we end our dialogue today? It was impassionately painful. <laughs> no. But I think, no, it wasn't painful. It was very, very good to talk with you. But I, at different moments, I did feel that it was more dragging and more like difficult. <laughs> to, so I guess we got a bit into the... Mm -hmm. the state of boredom and we endured it and now it's over <laughs> what were you going to say Janelle? oh just that we can extend the invitation though to our listeners mm -hmm. to not be maybe so quick on fixing their boredom the next time they feel bored but maybe increase that gap between the feeling of boredom and then choosing an action and just allowing yourself maybe for even a couple minutes if that's all you can handle to just feel what it is like to be bored and then just to wait and see what emerges. Thank you for that invitation, Janelle. And thank you to all of you for talking about this today and coming together to record. I'd just like to add our existential question for the next episode for you to start thinking about will be for those of you who ghost others or have been ghosted by someone, what is that experience like for you? What does it mean to be ghosted? How is it for you? What does it involve? And how come we do it? And we'll leave you with that. Thank you for listening today. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Follow us on Instagram at Existentialist Podcast. And let us know your answer to today's existential question. To learn more about us, listen to and learn about other episodes, visit our website at existentialistpodcast.com. <laughs>